Welcome to episode 45 of the MMA Geek Seal of a Podcast. This is your host, Dan Drive, with my co-host, Nick Braccia. Nick, it has been weeks upon weeks. We've been on a hiatus. The holidays all came and went. The new year is here, Nikolai. We're here to talk about UFC 246. How are you, buddy? I'm doing all right. We've got about 20 days or so since the last card. Uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you and your family. And the gift, the gift that I give you for 2020 is a clean slate, a clean record of O&O, Stan, so that you may once again attempt to challenge and possibly dethrone me as the best MMA fight picker and predictor of them all. That was the single most Trumpian thing that you have ever done. Bigly. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, Nick, uh, I'm, I, I would fact check you and, and let you know that it was actually me who was in the lead for a long, long period of time. But let's not dwell. That, let's not. There's. I don't know why you're why you're talking about the past when we're here in 2020 and we're looking at these big, beautiful O and O records. Nick, if you prefer O and O rather than a losing record, then uh, then I commend it. And again, all I'm saying is that I'm not going to correct you, and I'm not going to let everyone know that I was actually well in the lead. Um, we're gonna we're gonna start from scratch, Nick, and, I, and I'm glad for it. That basically means that now, for a third time, for a third occasion since the beginning of our recording of this podcast, I get to say that I have whooped your ass, my friend. I I was in control for the first four or five months, but. For the first three months, maybe, but that's all the past, Nick. We're here, uh, starting yeah. at O and O. Here to talk oh, about no. UFC 246. Pretty goddamn big card with McGregor and Cerrone, two guys. Big that names, big name show. Been in the sport for a long time. Definitely a big name show, and such big names that they didn't even need a title fight to headline it. With McGregor and Cerrone at the helm. Obviously, this is a little bit of a crossroads fight where McGregor's 31. He's still at least age-wise, in his prime. He hasn't taken all that much punishment throughout his career. And Cerrone, who's 36 years old now, he's coming off of two losses, granted to two of the nastiest guys at 155, not named Khabib. Um, what do you think of like where their careers are headed and, and, and the kind of crossroads that they're going over right now? Um, I, I, think it's, I think it's really interesting. I think McGregor's still in his athletic, in his athletic prime. Um, I mean, say what one wants about his camp. And his behavior outside the cage, that minus a, a couple of rounds here and there, certainly at 145 and 155, um, he mo- he has as much power as anyone, um, as smart a striking uh, fight IQ, um, setups, and movement as anyone in either of those two divisions. And I think that he still has enough... Um, probably to beat everyone who isn't a grappling specialist at 170. So I think he's still a, you know, I think he's still a peak guy across, but not that he'll ever go to 145 again, but across three, uh, three weight classes. Now standing across from him is a fighter who, um, frankly has never been able to win the big one going back, uh, to his title bout against Benson Henderson, um, his fights with Jamie Varner, um, to his later, you know, his later fights with RDA, his fight with Nate Diaz. It always seems that whenever Cerrone is on the cusp of a, tr- truly being elite and not just a, a, a great finisher 
a, a guy who's always up for a fight, a guy who's competitive against nearly everyone, and a, a very a top level, consistent top ten guy for the last twelve years. Um, he you know he is that, um, and at the weight class, you know I don't know that he's uh, he's obviously a pushover here, but I certainly think that the odds of minus three hundred uh, in favor of McGregor and plus two fifty. Uh, to Cerrone are right where they should be. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? You think he should be that big of a favorite? I think the I style matchup certainly lends itself to that. And I, I was when I was doing research, I came to the realization that these guys each have these strengths where the other guy is fairly weak in a lot of ways. And we'll get into it more when we discuss the specific matchup. But I don't know. I do feel like 3-1 to one is a little bit too far off. I think maybe... Maybe plus 190 for Cerrone, maybe minus 210 for McGregor is about as much as I would accept here. Three to one seems a little bit strong. I, after watching, um, after watching the amount of punishment Cerrone took against Ferguson and watching, um, how much damage it took for him to hit the deck against how Gage. little damage I should say against first against Till and then more recently and most recently against Gagey. Um, I believe that Connor's precision, which is better than Gagey's, uh, his precision is better, and that his firepower is certainly in the ballpark. I just don't. Uh, I, I'm betting. I'm, I don't believe that Cerrone is going to be able to uh, be elusive enough and evade uh, evade those shots. I also think that McGregor saying things this week like first one to shoot is a cow bitch. Um, that. Cerrone's going to come to fight and to put on a show, and he's not going to GSP this. He's not going to jab and do a double leg. He's not. He should. I mean, he should do whatever he can to get this fight up against the cage and to get McGregor, McGregor down. And I don't think for certain that, that Cerrone, especially in the early rounds, will be able to take McGregor down. I think he's got incredible balance and great takedown defense, and we've only seen the most, uh, really the most elite grapplers uh, get him on his butt. So I, I, you know, I'm not, I think, I think McGregor's path to victory is much easier than Cerrone's. A lot has to go wrong for McGregor, for Donald Cerrone to win this fight, in my opinion. I actually think one specific thing has to happen for Donald Cerrone to win this fight. The fight needs to get into its eighth or ninth minute. That's a, that's a lot of minutes. That's a lot of minutes. That's a, that's a lot of minutes for Cerrone against a pressure southpaw with serious power at 36, coming off of two knockout articulate losses. I, I hear you there. So I, I guess we should jump right into our draft pick system, Nick. I believe I get first pick uh, since the last event, and I think given that I was in the lead and we're starting fresh, I should get first pick for that reason alone. Plus, I feel like I'm, my first pick is going to end up being somebody that you wouldn't have necessarily picked. You would have tried to maybe avoid. I, let's 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 say this. We'll give you the first pick because you're taller and because you're younger and because you're better looking. And overall, you just have more shit going for you. But we'll also say you can have the first pick because, yes, there is an obvious pers- first pick here that I'm not going to make it because I've got something that's spelled L-O-Y-A-L-T-Y. Did I spell that right? L-O-Y. A L. I was. I'm trying to spell loyalty. Did I do loyalty? And there's a person on this car that you know I'm not going to pick against. You know I'm not going to pick against. Even even if she's um, a plus 650 underdog fighting a minus 
four-digit favorite. So you do what you're going to do, Stan Dryath. You know what, Nick? Now that you've said that, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pick Connor goddamn McGregor. Wow. As my first pick. It's a smart strategic move. I think you I think you baited me and I took the bait there. You learned what you needed <laughs> to learn. And frankly, I'm impressed. Thank you, sir. Now, he wasn't going to be my first pick. So I think there are a lot of variables in this matchup. Like I said earlier, I think that both of these guys have the strengths that their opponent should fear in this one, right? Um, Donald Cerrone starts off really slow. He's very hittable early. And his weakness would be a really fast starter with serious power. Donald Cerrone doesn't do very well against pressure fighters. And, uh, and for the most part, Conor McGregor is a pressure fighter. Donald Cerrone does really badly against southpaws. And you guessed it, Conor McGregor is a left-handed fighter. However, it does kind of go the same in the other way. See, Cerrone might not do well early, but he gets stronger as the fight goes. And McGregor is quite the opposite. He gets weaker as the fight goes on. I think that Cerrone's height advantage is a factor here as well. McGregor's got three losses to guys that have competed in the UFC. Joe Duffy, Nate Diaz, and Khabib Nurmagomedov. What do all three of these guys have in common that very few of his other opponents have? Is that they're all taller than him, Nick. If only by one inch. So there's a certain consistency to the way that McGregor loses. McGregor also tends to lose by submission. In fact, every one of his four losses came by submission. And Donald Cerrone is an excellent submission artist. He is absolutely nasty on the floor. I think the trouble is in Donald Cerrone being able to get Conor McGregor down to the floor, especially in the first two rounds. I think Cerrone has excellent, excellent takedowns, an excellent reactive double leg. I think it's something he picked up from the Greg Jackson camp. And that when you're throwing those straight shots right at him, he's going to duck under and sweep your legs out from under you. Before you know it, you're on your back against a really dangerous guy. The thing is that getting McGregor down in the first two rounds is going to be tough. Like you said, he, he's got strong hips. He's fairly explosive. He's very athletic, especially when he's fresh. It's going to take a couple of rounds for McGregor to be in a state where there's not really much of a knockout danger against him, where you can actually take the guy down and probably finish him because he will give you that submission. You don't necessarily need to outcraft McGregor on the floor. You just need to put him in some trouble and make him feel suffocated. He will turn over with his hands at his chest and let you sink him to choke. Um, look, I, I do favor McGregor in this case here. I also think, by the way, that the 170-pound weight class favors Donald Cerrone more than it does McGregor. Cerrone's competed at the weight class at a pretty high level. He's got a bunch of scalps at that weight division. And the only guys that were able to beat him at that weight division are fairly big guys. Um, Darren Till and uh, Leon Edwards uh, come to mind. I, I think there's one of their loss that he has at 170 pounds. That, and that and he was competitive. If I remember, he was pretty competitive against Edwards and came back pretty strong in that fight. Uh, I remember it being fairly Did he not? lopsided. Not that it was just a beating, but yeah, I remember it being kind of a slow-paced fight in which Edwards had the lead the whole time, but maybe I remember it wrong. I actually didn't watch that one specifically for this matchup. You've got plenty of footage of uh, Donald Cerrone fighting southpaws at this point. Um, look, I, I think that the trouble would be for Cerrone to make it out of a round and a half with a guy with McGregor's power. If McGregor's even a fraction of the fighter that he was a couple of years ago, back in 2016 when he roughed up Eddie Alvarez and made him look like an amateur rather than like the 155-pound champion, I think that if that's the version of McGregor we're going to see, 
he should be able to get a first-round finish. I'm kind of relying on that to some extent. The fact that Cerrone can't handle a pressure uh, threat, the fact that Cerrone's a slow starter, the fact that Cerrone, if he does get knocked out, it's in the first round. And if McGregor knocks you out, it's in the first round. It just seems like a lot of those things favor McGregor in the early portion of the fight. So I'm going with him. However, obviously, I do see ways for McGregor to win as soon as it goes past the seven or eight minute mark. What do you think, buddy? Yeah, I I uh, I more or less agree with you. Um, I'd love to see Cerrone pull this off. I like it. I like it when guys play spoiler, and it'd be a great um, it'd be a great win for his career. Frankly, the most analogous fight I could think of um, is that it would feel like when Keith Jardine beat Chuck Liddell. You know, you've got uh, you've got a, a, a world a, a mostly world beater or former world beater coming off of a loss against a, a very well-respected contender that he should beat. And I could, you know, I feel, I feel like the feeling um, and the impact on McGregor's career would be similar to the impact that losing to Jardine uh, had on Liddell. Yeah, I think it's a little bit different in that it was Liddell who was the older guy who was coming off of a loss or so, who wasn't looking so good lately, and Jardine was kind of the up-and-comer who looked like he may have promised, but we're not sure yet, and that fight kind of solidified him. But I do hear you as far as as far as the odds and 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 the expectations of the matchup. Although I do think those guys were much closer in age than uh, Liddell and Jardine, and that kind of implies. Um, yeah, you might be right. No, about that. It, no, they got it. They have they have a, a six year. They have a five six year age difference. Well, they do. Um, okay, so, actually, yeah. these two guys have a five year age difference, so it's pretty similar. Yeah. In, in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's move on to my first pick, uh, which I'm going to take Nasrat uh, Hakparast uh, to beat Drew Dober. Um, I think uh, Hakparast has had uh, – I, I like his pedigree more. Um, I think he's a, a more uh, – I think he's a, a more interesting fighter. Um, I like – I think, if I'm correct, he's been in the game longer – um, I like his signature victories more than Dober's uh, signature victories. And he only has one real loss, against, uh, which was a decision against Marcin Held, um, who I do think was a, was a really good fighter, who showed, uh, you know, who showed moments of brilliance in, uh, in his, his brief UFC career. So I don't really see any, um, any shame in that loss. I feel like Dober is, you know, he came up out of, out of being a, a college basketball player, got into martial arts late. And he's he's lost to Dariush. He's lost to uh, uh, Olivier Aubin Merce. He lost to you know a f- like going back three and a half four years. He lost to Efren Escudero. Uh, you know I just he just strikes me as this strikes me as a as a guy who's still um, in the prospect phase and only twenty four years old. Um, you know against a th- uh, against a thirty one year old uh, journeyman and that that um, the upside is much, much greater uh, for the Afghan fighter. Yeah, I actually had this a little bit further down, even though I'm a big believer in Nasrat Hakparast. I, just watching tape on Drew Dober, like like the guy is a different fighter from who he was, let's say, three or four years ago, before he joined Elevation Fight Team, before he really started to click on all cylinders with the striking. He was roughing up Benil Dariush knocked him down two or three times before he was taken down in that second round and submitted. Um, he knocked out Polar Reyes in the first round. 
He, you know, roughed up John Tuck and Frank Camacho before that, but really he's kind of getting into his finishing phase. Both of these guys are southpaws. Both are excellent strikers. I think Nasrat has the speed advantage. I do agree with you on the pick, but I have my concerns. I think Drew Dober's a real live dog. Uh, I don't know if he's a live dog, but he's certainly a value bet here at these odds. Um, I'm a believer in Nasrat, but Drew Dober is way too good to have odds like this going against him again against the guy who hasn't really beaten anyone very serious yet either. Um, but again, I'm a, I'm a fan of Nazar Hakbras. He's one of my prospects to watch, so I will be rooting for him. Uh, but I won't be too disappointed to see Drew Dober pick up a big upset here. Uh, my next Especially pick, if it's at my expense, you jerk. Oh, you damn right. Um, my next picnic, actually Nazrat was my number five pick on my list. My next picnic is going to be Carlos Diego Ferreira to beat Anthony Pettis. I think that Pettis is obviously an exemplary striker. He's creative as heck. Pretty dangerous, especially with his legs. And lightly with his right hand, man. He clocks people over the head with that thing and they drop, including Stephen Thompson. Um, the thing is that... He also has a serious speed advantage, as a matter of fact, Pettis does. Um, he's going to be faster and better on the feet, no doubt. And he's going to be hard to take down, I think, for a guy with Diego Ferreira's uh, wrestling pedigree. But the style that Anthony Pettis struggles against the most is a pressure fighter. And that's exactly what Diego Ferreira is. If you're, if you're a slow guy, if you're not very fast, if you're not super explosive, the pressure game is probably your best bet for long-term viability and success. That's what Diego Ferreira has. On top of that, he's a very, very serious black belt. His striking is really coming along with Fortis MMA. Um, So I expect the first round to look either competitive or for Pettis to style on him a little bit because he will be significantly faster. But that pressure is going to get to him. And by the middle of that second, by by the early third round, we're going to see Anthony Pettis look like he's trying to get out of there. So I expect uh, Carlos Diego Ferreira to earn the respect that the odds makers gave him in this one. And to pick up a pretty decisive decision here, what do you I had, that was that was my next pick, and I had the same, uh, I really with the same rationale. Um, I, t- I totally agree. Uh, so I was very impressed with Hayes last. Yeah, we pick? are. We're oh, this is well, this is going to get interesting now because you took my you took my next pick. So I am. I'm going to move with my head and not my heart and pick Macy Barber to defeat Roxanne Modifier. Nice. Talk about loyalty, Nick. You got played, dude. Oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't get played. I, I, don't, I don't mind it too much, but credit to you for having picked her anyway. No loyalty, though, Nick. No loyalty. No, at I, all. Listen, I'm going to, to be, uh, I'm, I'm going to be rooting for her, and I will be happy if she wins. Um, but as far as the statistics game that we're playing goes, it is what it is. I, I mean, we can yeah, talk about yeah, this. Yeah. I think, like, listen, if if, if Barbara's going to be really aggressive, Roxy's path to victory here is to is to get trips in the clinch. She's not going to outbox. I don't think uh, Macy Barber. Definitely sure, she not. could she could clip her, but I seriously doubt it. And Barbara's got evil power. And aggression, but if the kind of martial artist Roxy is, she's got to use that aggression against her and land a trip and get to you know get to side control and mount as quickly as possible. Um, it's not it's not impossible. We could see to some extent um, you know Barbara exposed, but it's more likely that the youngster is going to um, 
you know, the, the youngster's going to do her thing and land and land heavy, heavy shots. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, she's a clear pack, a clear favorite for good reason. I recently heard that Ben Askren won't really be involved in MMA and he's not really going to be training fighters except for Macy Barber. He's still going to be dedicating some of his time, his experience, his wrestling know-how to her career. And that's significant, especially in a matchup where the only thing that her opponent can do to her, the only thing that Roxanne Matafari can do to Barbara is to maybe ground her and, and kind of win on points the way that she did against Antonina Shevchenko about a year and a half ago. So, yeah, Barbara's a lot stronger, I think, than Shevchenko is. Yeah, more explosive. I think she's stronger. Uh, she's more explosive. She's a better athlete. And you're right. She has a lot of power in those hands. The Shevchenko sisters may have that that pedigree, but the kind of explosiveness and athleticism that Barbara has allows her to finish checks to really hurt girls. And I believe all of her wins thus far in the UFC are by finish. Um, I can see this fight going to the decision, though, because Roxanne is tough as heck and very difficult to I, finish. I don't think she'll get... Uh, yeah, I don't believe that Roxy will get KO'd. She may get. It, she may end up in a predicament where, similar to, I believe this is how the JJ the Barber fought JJ Aldridge, right? Um, or in yes. Barber's and la, Barber's last fight was against. Um, oh gosh, who was that? Was it Jillian Robertson? I believe. So. Well, no, that's the Canadian. It was the woman that looks like Jillian Robertson. The other Jillian Robertson. It was Jillian Robinson, and yeah. and she did fight. You know, she did fight Hannah Sivers, like. She will get she'll get a stoppage through relentlessness. It doesn't mean Roxy Roxy does not have to go out to get stopped. She just like Barbara will just be throwing so many punches so quickly that it renders one unable to defend oneself. And I think that's I think that's most likely what will happen. Um, but the thing I'd le- I'd least like to see. Yeah, I'm there with you. Um, I will be rooting. Uh, it's hard to say I'll be rooting for Roxy because I just think for the sport for the for the future of this game. It's probably better if Macy Barber wins. She's the potential star, the potential title contender. Whereas Roxy is a pretty solid barometer on where you are. If you beat Roxy, you are one of the better fighters in this division. You're, you're certainly in the top seven or eight. Um, if you can't, though, you've got some work to do. And so this oh, is I great- would say I would compare this to <laughs> your love my, my goofy comparisons tonight. I think this is like if if Roxy wins, it'll be like Tito Ortiz beating Bader. It didn't mean Bader was done. Um, obviously, yeah. he's not. But it's you know Roxy is a crafty veteran, and this is I, be, I believe that she has the I believe that she has the mental strength to pull this victory off. Um, you know if if her if her if her body can respond um, to you know where she's at psychologically. Do you think Tito Ortiz is like more loyal than you are, for example? Um, I'm very, very loyal to Roxy. That isn't my loyalty. It has nothing to do with my picks. I'm really interested in what your next pick is, Dan. All right, I'm just saying. If you want to change, if you want to not make this pick, I'll understand. Out of loyalty, so you had. I gave you next, several opportunities to make this you pick. Did. You, you really did. Uh, my next pick, Nick. I'm going to take a guy that I'm a big believer in. A prospect that I've been watching for a little while now, even though he's in a really dangerous matchup. And I think everything from here on out, they're all pickums. So I I'm agree. going to take Sadiq Yusuf to beat Andre Philly. I know that Philly's coming off of that first round knockout win over Marais, and that's impressive as heck. But he's been on a decision streak outside of that. 
I know he's a much taller fighter here. I know he's got the range of kicks, which are dangerous. And I know that Sadiq Yusuf in his last fight did get rocked, which is concerning here against a guy like Philly. But I'm a big believer in Sadiq. I think that the power in his right hand, the belief in himself that he has, the kind of relentlessness that he has, how comfortable he is um, avoiding or slipping or, or parrying your shot and countering with a bomb... I like him in this matchup, and again, all the rest of these are pickums. So uh, this is about as confident as I get in the rest of these bouts. What do you think? I actually was uh, picking Philly in this. I think that the improvement that we've seen in him over his last four or five fights between fights is listen. Some guys over there at Team Alpha Male, they just get keyed in with favor for a while. Garbaran was that guy for the last couple of years. I feel like it's Feely, and eventually, will he'll hit his ceiling? I'm not sure he's hit his ceiling yet. He went from, you know, kind of a guy who alternated wins and losses, made a lot of mistakes, left himself open, ate, you know, um, had some bad highlight. I know it was on the opposite end of some highlight real KOs, um, and he got and he's pulled himself through that. And I think that. Um, I think that he's more more creative, uh, more well rounded, and um, possibly more mentally tough than uh, than Yusuf. I think it's going to be a great fight, maybe a split decision. I think Feely is going to be uh, the more creative fighter, and that we're going to see more improvement from him over uh, since his last victory. Yeah, I can see I can see Philly having a shot here, but Philly has been knocked out before. I think by Yara Rodriguez. Yeah, the jumping the switch kick. Right, and I know that's a big shot to take, but the fact that he's uh, not the fact that it's possible and it's happened in the last couple of years um, kind of makes me think that Yusuf has an okay shot of landing that big right hand. But I don't disagree with you. I think like Yusuf's team is not exactly the best in the world. He trains with Lloyd Irvin. Um, he so he could benefit from like a more legitimate team behind him. I think to put his talents to good use. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned about how looping his right hand is sometimes. I know that he feels like that's the way to get those knockouts. It tends to work for him, but I think that's something that Feely and the gang will game plan against. So you might just be yeah, but this one. But also, since that since that Rodriguez fight almost uh, four years ago, he has lost two other fights, both by decision. And the Michael Johnson fight, if I remember, I think he should have gotten that. But... Um, he fought Cal. He's lost. He lost the decision to Calvin Guitar, and he lost the decision to Michael Johnson. Those guys throw. I think they get, they'll they'll land as hard as as Sadiq Yusuf. So I'm not worried about Andre Feely's chin. They also fought uh, Lobov in there, who throws you know throws a lot of shots. He's been in there with hitters since he lost to Rodriguez. Um, you know he beat Miles Jury. He beat Morace. Like I think is I think you don't go three rounds with against Qatar and Michael Johnson and not eat some shots. That's true. Um, yeah, I, I just I guess I don't believe enough in a split decision win over Dennis Bermudez, a loss to Michael Johnson. No matter you know, no matter who it should have gone to, uh, a decision over Miles Jury, and then he caught Shaman Rice. If he hadn't caught him, how would that fight have gone? It was fairly close uh, before he kind of landed with the very end of his foot with that head kick, and then finished him with the right hand. But listen, you might be right. He he's definitely at his best right now, and. This would be a serious, serious prospect win for him. From a guy who literally was one and one, and then two and two, and then three and three in the UFC for a while there, um, this would be pretty big, and this would be a clear cut indicator that the guy is someone to be taken very seriously, and probably would put him in the top ten. Um, what's your next pick, Nikolai? My next pick 
is, man, it really is all pickums from here on out. I'm going to take Oscar Oscarov over Tim Elliott. Um, he's the slight favorite, and honestly, I just believe I don't believe that Elliott would get it. Will get a finish in the first round, and I don't think his style of fighting is disciplined enough to win a decision. And this weight class usually goes to decisions, so I think uh, Elliott's just one of those guys who always seems to do enough to lose. And I really, as you know, with this fight against Moreno with the draw, I really liked what Oscar Oscarov uh, had to show. And I feel like he'll have enough to get a decision, maybe a split decision, but a decision over Tim Elliott. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Tim Elliott's really talented for about five minutes, and then he's just not the same fighter after that. Whereas Askar showed in a pretty high-paced fight that he can go longer than that before getting tired. He did get tired in that third round, but it was in his UFC debut against a really high-level opponent, especially in retrospect. Um, so I, I'm on the same page. I like Askar in this one. He would have been my... Just a couple of picks from now, actually. Um, actually, uh, the, the next pick after the one I'm about to make. Um, my next pick, Nick, and you may disagree with this one as well, is going to be J.J. Aldrich over Sabina Mazo. I know Mazo's supposed to be a pretty talented girl. Uh, she's got the height advantage. She's got a serious head kick, a serious liver kick. But I like Aldrich's southpaw pressure. I like her fast hands. I like uh, her training with that Colorado team with Trevor Whitman. And the crew, Rosanama Yunus is in her is in her camp. Um, I like her odds here against Sabina Mazo. I'm a believer in JJ Aldrich, who, by the way, was roughing up Macy Barber in that first round before getting caught in the second. What do you think? Um, I actually agree with you on this. I'm a big fan of JJ Aldrich, huge fan. Um, I did not, uh, I did not love um, Sabina Mazo in her fight against uh, Marina Moroz, and I. Um, I believe I picked against her and picked Shayna Dobson uh, in her last fight, and she looked a lot better. But I don't, I don't think that Shayna Dobson is. He um, looked very sluggish in that bout to me. Is no JJ Aldridge. JJ Aldridge is, is a, JJ Aldridge is a fucking gamer. She's tough as shit. Uh, I like the. Way, I just love the way that she fights. I really, really like watching her fight. And I was going to pick her all the way here. Same page. What's your next one, buddy? Um. My next pick is shit is super close now, man. It's getting super really close. I think that I think that the savvy of Alexi uh, Olenek is going to find a way to choke out Maurice Green. Yeah, um, I guess not a whole lot needs to be said about that. One. <laughs> either you believe he, either you believe he's going to get smashed or he's going to get a choke. It's it's really one or the other. I mean, Olenek is forty two years old. He's got like I don't know sixty seventy fights. Um, super experienced, very crafty on the ground, like you said. I do think he probably might find a submission if Morris Green doesn't knock him out in the fifth or fifth to seventh minute of the fight. Um, so it's either Alexi wins very early or Maurice Greens wins uh, after that. I'm on the same page, but this was literally my very last pick on the list. I really have a lot of trouble betting on these kinds of heavyweight fights where both guys have plenty of holes and both guys also have some advantages. It's it's a, it's a weird one, but same page. With I, for you. me, I'm glad you. I mean, Maurice Greens is a guy who's got two fights against Jeff Hughes, a fight against Michelle Batista, a win against Junior Albini, and then he lost to you know. I just like, this is a fight that's all about craftiness. This is a guy who, pardon the pun, 
despite starting in 2012, doesn't have many fights, 11 pro fights, and is fairly green. And he's fighting a guy who's like absolutely the opposite of green. And it's not like as big as he is, it's 6'7 or whatever. Green's not walking around with, you know, Nganu power. So No, no he's not. Although he's improving th- with the stand-up, certainly not Nganu level of power. Yeah, so I think I think it's more likely that Crafty's going to Crafty, and Green is going to, and, and guys that are Green are going to make mistakes. So for my next pick, Nikolai, we've only got four picks left, and I think one of them is going to end up being a tiebreaker. I'm going to actually go a couple down and pick my twelfth number twelve pick. Um, I'm going to pick Claudia Claudia Gadelia to beat Alexa Grasso. I know you're a believer in Grosso, and you may disagree with me on this one, given where Cadelia is in her career. Um, I think Grosso struggled with girls who can take her down, and and I, I, I can certainly see Claudia Cadelia being able to do that in the first half of the fight and score enough points and maybe lose that third round and, and survive to a decision. I know it's risky, but uh, I'm taking Claudia Cadelia because I think you might, you and I might disagree on the on the last three fights. Well, this is this is a tricky one, and I'm not even. This is for me was the most difficult pick because I really think that even though she's on the downside and Grasso's on the upside, that this is absolutely one of those. This is just a very even fight. As I mean, most of the odds are at straight pick them. Um, for exact for the reason that you said, listen, Grasso's going to have absurdly precise uh, striking, but Gadea is no slouch, and she should be able to you know, back up and not eat as much damage as um, Carla Esparza did. Um, but the, on the same side, like, Gadea has slowed down. Like, she was really at her peak in those in that initial fight, you know, against Johanna Zizank, uh, Zizankic. And um, she's looked good after that, but I, you know, she hasn't looked as good. Um, she definitely seems like she's, she's, uh, lost a step and is maybe, I don't want to say less disciplined, but if she's maybe, she's maybe lost a step and not, um, tightened up technique to accommodate for that. So she seems to end up in compromising positions, uh, more than she's more than she should. Uh, Grasso is not going to get tired and she's, you know, and she's going to fire uh, with precision. Like she's got, I think she's, Maybe if you hold a gun to my head, I pick Grazo, but I really feel like this is a pick 'em. So I don't, I don't so much disagree with you as like I'm because I didn't make this pick. I'm not sure where I stand. Yeah, I hear you there. I've been there a few times uh, in our picking history. What's your next one? We're really down into the down into the dirty stuff, man. I'm gonna go with. I always do this, and it always bites me in the ass. I'm gonna pick Holly Holm. To be Rocky Pennington, um, who she beat by split decision once before, and you know, Holm is thirty-eight. She's not looked. She's had trouble pulling the trigger. She hasn't looked great um, if, if fighting like higher level competition. But to be honest, aside from maybe a, a round or two in in her like her last three fights, Pennington hasn't looked very good either. So I think that I just think Holmes got better, you know, better technique and will probably land more harder early and then coast is is what I think is going to happen. Um, what do you got? 
So I ended up disagreeing. I mean, obviously this is a pick and it's a tough one to pick. I did end up going with Raquel Pennington. It's interesting how their careers have gone since their first time they fought. The, leading into the first fight, Holly Holm was 7-0, undefeated, and Raquel Pennington had only one more fight on her record, but she was 5-4, right? And now, Nick, all these years later, Holly Holm is 12-5, and five, and Raquel Pennington is 10-7. and seven. So their records are actually quite a bit closer than they were. And the main reason for that is because Holly Holm has taken a lot of losses in the meantime. Granted, it's to some of the very best in, in the sport, right? Both of these girls have actually lost to some of the very best. Amanda Nunes, Chris Cyborg, Jermaine Durandamy, Valentina Shevchenko, and Misha Tate are the five people that have been able to pick up wins over Holly Holm. Uh, only one of those by finish, actually two of them, I'm sorry, by finish, Misha Tate in the fifth round of their title fight, and then Amanda Nunes knocked her out with a head kick in her last outing uh, back in July. Now, Pennington, I, I saw footage of the first fight, and Pennington was a fraction of her current self. She was slower, she was plotting, she didn't really have a whole lot of technique, she couldn't cover that distance, she clearly wasn't doing any strength and conditioning back then, whereas now she's significantly faster, much more dynamic, uh, her offense is so much more impressive than it was back then, specifically standing up. Um, Holly Holm got away with a split decision, granted one that she probably deserved, back when back when her opponent, was, Raquel Pennington, was a fraction of who she is now. Raquel Pennington significantly improved, and Holly Holm is in a bit of a rut. Um, she's now on a, what is she, 2-5 and five in her last seven fights. So I'm I'm taking Raquel, Raquel Pennington by a very close margin here because I think she's just in a better place than she was back then, and I think Holly Holm is in a worse place. And I haven't really seen any improvement in Holly Holm's game ever since the first time I ever saw her fight. Maybe her ground game defense is overall better, but I don't really think there's a whole lot else to speak of there. So I like Pennington to apply some pressure and to score points as Holly Holm is seemingly trying to run away. Although if Holm sits down on that left hand, she can win this decision for sure. Um, it's a pick and fight for good reason, but uh, I've got Raquel. Okay. So uh, we're down to our last pick before the tiebreaker, right? Yes, sir. Wait, if you just picked home, we have two more picks. I was wrong, Nick. Maybe there isn't a tiebreaker on this one. Oh, I know, because that one fight, uh, Grant Dawson versus Chas Kelly got taken off the card. Right, right. It was canceled. Each, for... We actually end up with uh, the same number of picks each. Jeez, let's see. My next pick, Nick... Um, I'm going to take Brian Kelleher over Ode Osborne. Maybe I should have gone with the other one. The, I don't know. Picking the veteran over the Contender Series guy. I am. The, the Contender Series guy is talented. He's fast. He's got a wrestling pedigree, but he's very... Like, a lot of people have taken the guy down. Also, his takedown defense is... Uh, well, this is the same, same thing I'm saying here. His takedown defense is not great. And that's something that he's going to get tested on here. Kelleher is going to be going for some takedowns at the very least. And if he does get a takedown, he might sneak a submission on you. I think that Kelleher on the ground is crafty enough to avoid Osborne's really good uh, guard. Um, Osborne's straight punches on the feet. I think he's good enough to avoid most of that as well. And he's not the type of guy to get hurt and crumble. He will survive and he'll get through some tough moments to pick up a victory like he did against Stasiak back when. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I like his craft. I like that he's dangerous on the ground, and I like that he will have the takedown advantage in all likelihood in this one. But Ode is super athletic, very fast, and 
possibly a possibly a future prospect. What do you think? I mean, this is one I really don't know what's going to happen here. Like Kelleher's done and seen it all. Uh, he's certainly been around the block, and he's he's against an up and comer. So it's the this is really a test for Osborne. Kelleher's certainly playing the role of the gatekeeper. I think whether or not these guys make it through the gatekeepers coming off the contender series is probably about 50-50. Um, yep. So I think probably, based on where Kelleher's at in his career, that Osborne's got enough. But uh, it's, not, not, it's not a decision I feel strongly about. Um, Fair enough. My final uh, pick is we've got uh, Alexa Kamur. Uh, this is a, a, light heavy, a light heavyweight fight against uh, Justin Lede, who... You know, spent most of last year either getting beat by Alexander Rakic or uh, getting absolutely flattened by Johnny Walker. Um, yeah. I don't think I don't think against the young Alexa Camera that he's got. Uh, I mean, it's a bit of a come down in competition, but I don't think it's um, a great look for him. Um, I also think coming off of those two losses, I question. You know, one was twenty eighteen, one was twenty nineteen, but that's uh those are. Fighting those two guys back to back, losing a decision, getting knocked out in 15 seconds, um, I gotta believe that does that does something to a guy. Uh, Alexa Kemmer has not, um, you know, he's an undefeated fighter as a professional, I believe, and uh, you know hasn't been defeated yet. Um, you know, in the UFC, he's coming off the contender series where he uh, won in spectacular fashion against Fabio Charant uh, with a flying knee. Um, and then finished and then finished him off from there. I think that he's riding the momentum, and this is the kind of fight where I'll take the guy in the momentum over the guy that got you know absolutely flattened in 15 seconds. So I think Alexa Kamor belongs at 185. He's six one with a 74 inch reach coming in here against Ladette, who's six four with an 80 inch reach. The thing to really focus on here is that Alexa's good standing up. He lands pretty heavy. Um, has a pretty fancy flying knee that if it tags you, it's probably going to hurt you. But he's a much smaller man here against a significantly better boxer, at least as far as technique goes. Uh, Kamur's got more power. The guy's a real finisher, and he's got a lot of experience, even uh, competing in amateurs as far back as 2015. So it's not like he's you know five or six and zero, and and just uh, five and zero now, and, and and just kind of figuring this thing out. He trains with the Stipe Miocic camp to his credit as well. But I do favor Ledette very slightly. Again, he's much taller, got a six-inch reach advantage. Um, I expect that his boxing is going to be enough to get this job done. But if Kamor goes for takedowns, maybe he'll uh, have some success there. Although Ledette's been known to go for the occasional takedown as well, uh, once he hurts you somewhat at least. So I disagree with you on that final one. Uh, makes it all the more interesting. I think we ended up disagreeing, if only by a small margin, on uh, five different fights. I disagreed with you on Home and Kimur, and you disagreed with me on Yusuf, uh, Gadelia, and Kelliger. Although, again, two of them were, were very slight disagreements uh, with a bunch of these pick'em fights. Yeah, I wouldn't even and say I disagreed with you on Gadelia. I didn't really, uh, I didn't really put a stake in the ground there. Um, but the others, I mean, and our picks. Just to, we've got uh, for the points, McG- uh, McGregor is a stand pick. Hakparast is a Nick pick. Fahea is a stand pick. Barber is a Nick pick. Yusuf is a stand pick. Askarov is a Nick pick. JJ Aldridge for Stan. Olianik for Nick. Gadea for Stan. Home for Nick. Kammer for Nick. I can't believe we let the minus 1,000 favorite go and pick for three in a row, Nick. 
We were playing chicken, man. Yeah. Anyway, what you got? Uh, you know, what you get? What your gambling self got? You got any Christmas money? You ready to? Uh, you ready to roll? Oh, I do. Let's take a break. We'll come back and get into our betting recommendations, Nick. And we are back on the MMA Geeks betting guide, folks. I don't remember what last year's last betting event went like, but I do remember that I did really well overall last year. If you followed every one of my bets, you would have been significantly up. Um, We're now going to get into a new year and a new set of bets. I've got a bunch of prop bets for UFC 246. Uh, My first one is Donald Cerrone by submission at plus 500, $10 to win $51. I figure that $10 is not going to be missed. And if he does pull off his admission in the second half of the fight, that would feel real nice. Uh, Pennington by decision at plus 170. The fight is pretty even outside of that. I just feel like Pennington has a decent shot at picking up a decision here over Holly Holm. And uh, $24 to win 41 doesn't sound like a bad sacrifice. Gedelia by decision, $29 to win 51. Uh, Feheya by decision over Pettis uh, at plus 125. He's otherwise a pretty big favorite if you just bet him straight. Uh, $40 to win 50 and that's only if Ferreira wins by decision. Macy Barber, uh, I've got her by decision at plus 265, which I think is a real good value. She's a huge favorite if you just pick her, but by decision, I think folks are really expecting her to finish Montefiore, and I think Montefiore has a good chance of making it to the bell, to the final bell. 15 bucks to win 40 on Macy Barber by decision. Uh, Justin Ledette by decision, plus 245, $16 to win 40 um, I've got Brian Kelleher by submission at plus 405, 10 bucks to win 40. Kelleher by decision, uh, 15 bucks to win 50. So if Kelleher wins by either one of those, I'll have a pretty good profit there. Uh, if he loses, obviously, I'm missing out on 25 bucks. Not the worst thing overall. Uh, Aldridge by decision, plus 160, $25 to win 40. I think that's a good value on Aldridge, who um, I expect I expect she'll have trouble finishing Mazo, even if she is doing well in that one. Uh, Drew Dober, uh, I think he's a big underdog, even though I did pick Hawk Parasta. I, I, I think that the value here is pretty evident. 15 bucks to win $40 on Drew Dober, and that's just a straight bet, not a uh, prop bet. Now we're getting into my two parlays. I've got Yusuf and Ferreira, $33 to win 50 and I've got Askarov and Aldridge, 22 bucks to win $50. A total of $265 at stake on this one, Nick, and I'm hoping to walk away with uh, with a nice profit. Taking some chances on this one, experimenting a little bit. I'm going to see how all these prop bets work out for me. What were your alder jobs? Because I'm seeing her at, like, I'm seeing that as more or less a pick em fight with her around minus 110. You said you got her at, at plus 160, or did I miss here? By decision. It's oh, by decision. Bet. Got it's it, got decision. it, got it. Thank you, thank you. I know. I understand so, prop bets. So I missed the. If she the, loses that. the fight or wins any other way, uh, or it's a draw, then I've lost that 25 bucks. Yep, I just missed. I missed the distinction. Um, awesome. Well, I wish you luck earning earning capital. That'll do it for the first show of the year, Nick. Uh, is there anything in particular you're looking forward to this year, the season of Conor McGregor? Do you look forward to him fighting a few times? Maybe John Jones with another picogram. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to John Jones and heavyweight. I'm looking forward to Stipe, Cormier, and Ngannou, and maybe Rosenstrike. Uh, in the mix there. Um, you know, I'm thinking it's possible 
What I'd love to see is Khabib beat uh, beat Ferguson and then fight GSP at a catchweight and then uh, retire. I'm not interested in seeing Connor get that win back. Um, on the other weight classes, I guess will we. I guess Dillashaw's out for uh, a while longer still. Um, you know, I'm interested in see what Triple C's going to do, what the fights at 135 um, look like for him, and if he's going to have consistent success uh, at that weight class, because there's definitely some players there. Interested in some veteran fights, as I think I mentioned to you previously. Um, you know, after Edgar got uh, dominated by the Korean Zombie and Faber, um, you know, took a beating from uh peter yan i'd like to see the you know there's a lot of guys who were who were around almost since the beginning of the sports resurgence um like faber edgar and cruz i'd like to see those guys fight each other i'm not i'm not interested i'm not interested in watching um the best fighters from 10 years ago um fight young killers it's i'd, I'd much rather see you know young killers against young killers <laughs> Um, because what, what we're learning is that as the sport improves, as training gets better, as athletes are coming up in all disciplines simultaneously, that, uh, that gener you know, there's generational superiority, um, for the most part. Now there are some fighters like GSP that, um, with skill bases that, that transcend that. Um, but I feel like the fighters that do transcend it are, um, as long as they keep their speed, are mostly uh, going to be grapple-heavy, uh, you know, powerful grapple-heavy guys. Um, so, you know, th that's pretty much, that's, those are the things that I'm, I'm looking forward to. What about you? Am I missing anything? I can appreciate all that. I'm looking forward to women's flyweight kind of figuring itself out with Valentina Shevchenko at the top of the division. I just feel like there's a lot of women in that top 10 that probably won't be there this time next year. And I'm, I'm very excited about some prospects filling that one out and making that a really stacked division. I mean, when you've got Chu Kagan, Jessica I, Calderwood at kind of the top of the division um, under Valentina Shevchenko, you know that's not going to stay quite the same. Um, I'm also looking forward to Zhang Wei Li and seeing where she heads. I know she's fighting Joanna Janjacek. I'm curious if she does solidify herself at the top of the division or if Janjacek comes back takes her belt back, and maybe that's a stylistic, stylistically a good match for her. And then we have this weird round-robin where uh, Andraj can beat Namunis, Namunis can beat Janjacek, Janjacek can beat, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it, it'll be interesting how that division shakes out, and I think that division's stacked to begin with. Um, interested in some of these young heavyweights, Pavlovich, Gane, uh, Sakai, who I have some belief in. Um, some of these guys, Walt Harris, who hopefully will come back and, and be you know in a good place after losing his uh, stepdaughter. Um, Rosenstruck, obviously. Uh, Curtis Blade. Some of these serious prospects at heavyweight. I'm interested in them filling out that, that top seven or top eight and maybe some of those older guys uh, kind of making their way out. The Overeems and the, and the Arlovskis and all of those guys. Although maybe Arlovskis not ranked anymore. Um, curious to, like, I don't know if John Jones will keep fighting, you know, 185 pounders and 205 pounders, or if he's actually going to challenge himself and move up to heavyweight. Um, obviously, very interested in Adesanya's journey. Guy's fascinating, and and he's going to be a, a bigger superstar, I'm sure, in a year. Volkanovski, who 
just took over last year and in my opinion probably was fighter of the year very curious about Masvidal what the heck is going to happen to him where's his career going to go is he still going to be undefeated or is he going to realize that he's in his mid-30s and he's past his prime and all the skill in the world won't mean much against a guy like Usman I actually think if Conor McGregor wins that's probably the matchup that's best for him Um, I agree for Conor I agree uh, I don't know that there's a better matchup for Connor. Like Gaethje would probably be a little bit more dangerous. Um, Khabib would be a bad idea. Usman would be horrible for Connor. I feel like of the people that are in talks for Connor, this would probably be his best bet. And that could be kind of a big money fight for both of those guys, specifically Masvidal. Well, um, the move is right, if tri- Connor, tri- if Connor wins that, if Connor loses to Masvidal, he still has 155 to go back to. If he, if he loses to Khabib or Gaethje, after defeating Cerrone, he's doesn't really have a lot of options. Yeah, so, you're right. And, and and the fact that Connor's actually said when asked about why this is at 170, he's like, it's not just for George. Uh, he said that a couple of times. And like, nobody asked whether it was for George, but that's the first thing he volunteered. Uh, that tells me that it's exactly for this fight, that this is happening at 170. He wants that BMF title. And again, it's just the, the least danger, I think, for him, even though Masvidal might just be able to handle him, depending on how far the fight goes. Um, it, it should be interesting. I mean, Till did knock down Masvidal in that first round of their fight, and he's a heavy-handed southpaw. So maybe McGregor has a shot at finishing him in, in the first round of their fight. Wait, Till, Till, Till knocked down Masvidal? He did, man. In the, in the first minute or two of their fight, he just pressured forward and dinged him with a clean left hand. I don't Masvidal remember that at all. Dropped and then got yeah. back up. No. Yeah. Yeah, t- till look, t- till once he figures his shit out, he could be he could be a world beater. He could be. I'm not saying he will be, but he has the potential, man. If he really puts his shit together and trains with a high level team, um, a good one, a good 2019, Nick. I'm looking forward to 2020, uh, 2020. I think that you and I got all of our 45 episodes, 44 episodes in in 2019. We started in January. Here we are, about a year into this podcast, really enjoying the process. Uh, and looking forward to establishing another streak of dominance. We'll see about that, man. So far, uh, psychological advantage is point braccia after this week's showdown. You mean with the Macy Barber thing? I don't, you know, uh, let's just say I'm in your head. You mean with the fact that you have no loyalty whatsoever? I'm in your head. No loyalty. In your head. No. There I am. In your Not head. For all I know, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and you will have already found another coach. Oh, I just think it's hilarious that you assume you're going to wake up tomorrow. Oh, shit. Is that a goddamn threat? Good one, buddy. Have a great night. You too.